1: The Hollywood Radio Theater.
2: Every day at this time, Monday through Friday, a J.M. Colas Enterprises production, The Hollywood Radio Theater, presents an unusual tale of mystery and suspense. Every week, Monday through Friday... The Hollywood Radio Theater presents...
3: I'm Rod Serling. You're listening to The Zero Hour. Rest your eyes. Exercise your imagination. This week, Merwin Gerard's study of a man who Dead Man's Tale... Starring George Maharis, Craig Stevens, and Charles McGraw. In Elliot Lewis's production of The Zero Hour. was it that brought Carl Brooks back to his hometown? The gnawing guilt for having run from trouble? The love for a girl that he had but couldn't give with shadows on his conscience? Was it fate? In any case, he got more than he bargained for. His colleague and closest friend was dead. Executed for a murder he could not have committed. To his his guilt, Carl Brooks took it upon himself to clear the name of the man he had failed to save. And in doing so has begun to uncover a most complicated series of events, leading back to what really happened on the night four years before, the night Carl Brooks found an empty briefcase and a very quiet dead man. Dead Man's tale will continue in a moment.
4: If Owen Morse was difficult to identify, locating him was next to impossible. His company was no longer in business and his family had moved out of town. Hugo, a friend indeed. Lent me his car and promised to have some repairs made on my rented one. It was dusk by the time I found Owen Morris' new home address. It was way out on Briar Street, next to the edge of town. A run-down old house converted into a triplex. He lived on the ground floor. For a man I suspected had once contributed many thousands of dollars for some kind of political sway, Owen Morris was living somewhat less than modestly. Uh, Mr. Brooks, I've been waiting for you. Waiting? Waiting and watching. I knew you had to get to me sooner or later. And here you are. Come in, please. Thank you. Not exactly the kind of place you expected to find the ex-highly successful contractor living, is it? Sit down, Mr. Brooks. That chair is comfortable, despite its rather sad appearance. Excuse me, but uh, what did you mean, waiting and watching... Joe Ferris called to warn me you'd returned and what you're trying to do. I didn't tell him I was delighted and looking forward to your success in finally pulling the lid off the whole stinking mess. Wait a minute, I'm not sure I understand, Mr. Morris. If you're so anxious to have the truth known... Why didn't I come forward with it on my own? Yes. I've thought about it a great deal. It would accomplish very little, particularly since I couldn't prove any of it. But... I wasn't speaking of the truth about me My contribution to that ill-starred special fund for Lloyd Mercer's re-election That I freely admit However, it will do little to assist you in clearing Barry Wilson's name Which is what I assume is your purpose It's a certainty you've been unable to accomplish your goal by speaking to the other three How did you know about that? I haven't been following your efforts since yesterday no. But I am curious How did you get to me? I let your conscience be my guide. (laughs) Yes. The cashier's checks. A shamefully insignificant contribution. Yes. The checks and the fact that you were at Barry's trial every day. I won't ask you why you didn't come forward then. I mean, that's obvious. Painfully so. You see, Mr. Morris, Barry Wilson had one eyewitness to vouch for his innocence. That man was in California and couldn't be found. That would be you. That is correct. Painfully so. However... Five men knew or had a pretty good idea what was in the briefcase Robert Henley had handcuffed to his wrist that night in the Delta Hotel. Mm. Barry Wilson was not one of them, nor was I. Yes. Yes, I see the point. But if I killed Robert Henley, Mr. Brooks, the solution would be easy. I could simply come forward, admit it, and clear up everything, including my conscience. Are you saying you didn't? I didn't kill Robert Henley. I killed Barry Wilson. So... I am a murderer. Would you be willing to tell your story to the newspapers? To the police? Oh, gladly. at The proper time. But that would be a serious tactical blunder right now. Get the wind up with Mercer and Ferris and they'll go after you in any way they thought would discredit you. Or silence you permanently. And it'd be no help to Ellen Wilson. And that's all I give a damn about anymore. I have to admit that you've <laughs> disarmed me. I, I anticipated some resistance, denials. That's what you would have gotten four years ago. What's changed? You've heard of the wages of sin. What you see before you is the end result of the erosion of conscience. I stood by like the others in silence while Barry Wilson was rushed to the gallows. But I've paid my dues, as they say. And as you can see... Well, you must have been a rich man. What happened? No, never really rich. Well off, I guess. I wanted to be a business tycoon on the stock exchange and all that. I might have made it, only I went about it the wrong way. What happened was the bottle. It helped me forget one day at a time. I found I'd been an incipient alcoholic all my life. A year of steady drinking, lost weekends and then lost weeks and months can quickly destroy even a sound business. The downhill slide is swift and accelerating. First my business and then my family. But the guilt doesn't go away. On the contrary, it grows. It grows until the reason for it is rectified. Mr. Morse, who killed Robert Henley? I have no idea. I have nothing. My, My whole life is an utter waste of time. Then why go on? You know, you sound like you could drink yourself to death if you tried. Mr. Brooks, you see before you a gutless, impotent man. I've been on the wagon for two years now so I could hold down a job to make just enough to stay alive and send a few dollars to the woman I made a widow. Mr. Morse, there seems to be more than enough guilt to go around for all of us. Speaking for myself, I'm willing to risk all to clear the slate, but I'm going to need your help. You can count on me, Mr. Brooks. You can count on me. I left Moss my number at the hotel in the event he had to reach me. I was disappointed that my theory about him had been wrong. But a man like that needed no assistance in inflicting self-punishment. Hugo wasn't at the office when I called. So I left a message for him not to print anything yet and that I'd be in touch. Though as of the moment... I was no further along in clearing Barry than when I had first started. It all added up to one big zero. Somehow, I had the feeling something was missing. Like the slush fund. Something obvious. I drove Hugo's car back to the Delta to see if I had any messages. It was a misty night, but not cool. I looked up into the sky and the moon was barely a sliver. The stars, invisible. I tried to locate my room from the street below by counting it from the corner. I counted again. No mistake. That was my room with the lights on and the curtains popped out the open window. I ran to the lobby. The desk clerk was nowhere in sight. I got out on the fourth floor. And took the stairs up one flight. The hall was clear. There was a crack of light between the bottom of the door and the carpet. I listened. Then, carefully, took out my key. And slipped it in the lock. And... Jenny. It was a toss-up as to who scared who more. Seeing Jenny there in my room was both a relief and an obstacle. I hadn't realized how much I had missed her, and yet she could only make matters more difficult by being so close. But I hid my ambivalence as best I could, and we spent the night together. In the morning... We had room service and a breakfast. It was then that I explained the situation. So that's about how it stands at this point, Jen.
5: Come home, Carl, please. You've done what you came for. You're a free man.
4: If it was only so simple. Jenny, you you have no idea what effect this has had on the lives of so many people.
5: All right, but what about us, our lives? Suppose you do find out who killed that man. Then what?
4: That's most of what I have to do.
5: There's more? Carl, you're driving yourself...
4: Barry's dead, but his family lives on.
5: You mean his wife and child, don't you? Ellen, isn't that her name?
4: Just some kind of benefits. I I mean, a fund for Katie. Something.
5: Carl, are you telling me everything?
4: I don't know everything.
5: I mean about Ellen. What does she want from you?
4: (laughs) Well, I suppose at this point, she probably wants me to die or disappear. She's bitter, Jenny, and I don't blame her. She and I were close once we, we were just kids I was best man at a wedding
5: Oh Carl It hurts me to see you like this I came here to comfort you To be with you I know you didn't want me here But I, I had to see you Look I'll go back to Coulter today If it's really what you want
4: oh, If I had a choice Jenny If I was really
5: free oh, please don't say anything I'll call the airport
4: I'll get it you No know, do
5: Hello Oh yes he's here
4: uh, hello. Well, hello, Judge. I'm just fine. How are you these days? Oh, you'd like to reconvene our discussion from the other night? Or just say when? In your chambers? Very good, Judge. I'll be there.
5: Carl, what's wrong? Why didn't you want me to answer the phone? Are you in trouble? Uh,
4: look, I um, I have to meet with Judge Mercer about some, some dirty laundry. I, I'll be back this afternoon. We'll grab a bite and then I'll drive you to the airport. All right? Don't worry, Jenny. Remember, I love you. See you later.
5: Uh, Carl, please be careful.
4: I must see you about a matter of considerable importance, Lloyd Mercer had told me over the phone. The wheels were turning and I was botching up the mechanism. There wasn't much doubt as to what Mercer wanted to talk about. It was the particulars that aroused my curiosity. He was waiting for me in his chambers, all decked out in official garb. Come in, Carl. Good of you to drop by. You look very spiffy in your robes, Mr. Mercer, Judge. Sit down,
1: Carl. Uh, Can I get you something? No, thank you. I only drink socially. Uh, Really, Carl, so hostile. Uh, Carl, a matter of what I feel significant importance has been brought to my attention. A matter that concerns me, Your Honor? We've received some new information on the Henley murder. It points rather definitely toward your culpability. Oh, really? Apparently there was an eyewitness. Someone saw me kill Henley? Uh, not actually performing the act. Let, let me let me guess. This eyewitness was Joseph Farris. Splendid conjecture. He was out of town during the trial, and since I was the district attorney, he told me what he knew. Still, I couldn't believe that you'd killed Henley, and I I told him so. Your faith in me is nothing short of overwhelming, but...
4: what suddenly changed your mind?
1: Carl, you were a fugitive. A cogent fact relating to your guilt, if... of course, the case is reopened. If? Well, it's impossible to prosecute a man who can't be found. You know that as well as the next fugitive.
4: What if I stay?
1: You could try to save yourself. Discrediting you would be ridiculously easy... And very likely proved to be a political bonanza for me. Anyone knows a man accused of murder is liable to say anything to save your skin. And the voters have a ready sympathy for public servants unjustly attacked.
4: Same old song, just different lyrics. I'd love to vocalize, Your Honor, but...
1: I thought you were smarter than that, Carl. I'm a much older hand at this sort of thing than you. A point well taken. I have a full calendar today, so I'm afraid you must be going. In parting, let me say, if you're still in the jurisdiction of this state tomorrow morning, be prepared to remain here, behind bars, for the rest of your life.
4: I knew if it ever came down to a test of strength between Mercer and me on his home grounds, I'd have no chance at all. Knowing Mercer... He could make a pretty good case for complicity between Barry and me to rob and murder Henley. Again, Mercer would come up smelling like a rose, and he had the savvy and muscle to make it stick. I still had that nagging suspicion of something right in front of my eyes that I wasn't seeing. But first, there was another fish to fry. As it was, the skillet was hot and greased and ready for me. To catch the fish was the real problem. That and bait. Carl, that's crazy. That's suicide. Either way, it gives you something to print. An expose or an obituary. Treating Ferris like that is just asking for it. He digged the river to throw your body in. Let's use it all. It's my funeral. Look, Hugo. Ferris killed Henley, or had him killed. Setting yourself up this way isn't gonna prove anything, Carl. It will if he tries it again and misses, and somebody's there to see him, like a reporter. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want any part of this scheme. Hugo. Mercer's trying to chase me out. He thinks I know too much. Don't go after Mercer, Carl. That's really suicide. All I'm after is the truth. I want to be able to sleep at night. Keep this up and you'll sleep forever. Look, I'm going through with it, you are. I'll ask you again when the time comes. Carl? You got your car, Steve?
1: Carl?
4: Yeah. Forgotten. Unlike most night spots, the Ferris wheel looked plush, even by day. Joe Ferris was finishing a late lunch on his private patio upstairs when I arrived. How about a spot of coffee, Brooks? No, thanks. I can't believe you dropped in just to say goodbye. Who's leaving? Yeah, I figured you'd be dumb enough to stick around. Mercer says you'd testify against me in court, but I have my doubts. The sword cuts two ways, and you know it. (laughs) You've got to be the cutest guy in town, Brooks. If you saw me in Henley's room, I saw you. The next obvious question would have to be, what were you doing there? I will have a lawyer, of course, and there has to be a complete trial even in this state. With Mercer in my corner, I'll I take my chances. I don't think you're going to let it come to that. I've got everything just about together now. All the details of who contributed to that fund for Mercer and uh, what each of you were buying. You're bluffing. Am I? How do the names Clarence, Lacey, Owen Morris, and Frank Irwin grab you? You have been busy. But all they can supply is talk, no proof. Enough talk to blow your sweet setup in this town sky high. And when I complete the angle I'm working on, I'll have enough evidence to pin Henley's murder on you and make it stick. <laughs> You're cute, all right, Brooks, but not very bright. Maybe not. But I suggest you talk to the judge and tell him your eyesight isn't what it used to be. I'd think about it if I were you, Ferris, or... Or what, punk? I'll see you in court. Now the hook was baited I just had to hope that the fish wouldn't strike before I was ready I drove back to the hotel to get Jenny I had to put her on a plane before the fireworks started I parked the car and walked along the same sidewalk as the night before As I looked up towards my window again I practically fell over a group of workmen sitting along the side of the building Uh. You watch where you're going, buddy. You might hurt yourself. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. At the desk, I stopped to see if I had any messages. There were two. One that Dr. Irwin phoned and left his number for me to call back. And the other was a note from Jenny. Dear Carl, I didn't want to make things harder for you than they already are, so I'm saying goodbye to you this way. I've taken a taxi to the airport... I won't be in Coulter sometime tonight. Don't worry about anything, darling. I understand what you have to do here. I'll be waiting for you when you come home. Love, Jenny. Somehow that was wrong. Uh, Jenny's note. Something about it. I, I couldn't quite pin it down, but, but it bothered me. What was it about this whole thing I wasn't seeing? Henley's room, for one. Where did I go after I slugged Ferris? Let's see. I ran out the door. This way. The stairs. Let's see. I ran down the stairs. To here. Then, uh... The... See, I, I turn it this way, but, but if I... i gone straight. Hey, here comes the bird <laughs> What? What's this, then? Where am I? You want us to get you a map? This is the boiler room. You took another wrong turn, buddy. Can't let you out this way.
5: Metropolitan Airport.
4: I'd like to page Miss Jenny Duncan, please.
5: Paging Jenny Duncan.
4: Miss Miss, uh when's the next flight to San Francisco?
5: Nine fifteen, sir. Tonight? Nine fifteen tomorrow morning.
4: Well, when did the last flight leave?
5: Nine fifteen. There's only that one flight daily, sir.
4: They've got Jenny.
3: Tomorrow at this time, rest your eyes and listen here to this week's continuing study in suspense, Dead Man's Tale. I'm Rod Serling, and this is The Zero Hour.
2: been listening to the Hollywood Radio Theater's presentation of The Zero Hour, heard every weekday at this time. Rod Serling is your host. Dead Man's Tale was written by Merwin Gerard and Kim Weisskopf. George Maharis is Carl, Craig Stevens is Mercer, and Charles McGraw is Ferris. Featured in the cast are Olin Soleil, Anne Marshall, and Herbert Jefferson Jr. Zero Hour is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. Jack Myers is executive producer, Rochelle Sherman, associate producer, and Kim Weisskopf, story editor. Music conducted and composed by Stanley D. Hoffman. The Hollywood Radio Theater theme was records and tapes. This has been a J.M. Colis Enterprises production. Q. Douglas speaking. Tune in tomorrow, and once again,
3: rest your eyes and listen here
2: to the Zero Hour.